I'm over here now. I was over there. Now I'm over here. Sure. I'll bring all my shoes and my, my glasses with me. So I have them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with the OGs on the block to see the terror Eating pasta, primavera, feeding caca, be together People never know the wild shit we might say Grew up on Eddie Murphy, Jerky Boys, and Dice Play. I've been waking up nights, screaming Brooklyn Blast podcast Mama took my porn mags, jerkins, and a soft rags Easy when we talk about Mr. Ferrari Cause we go way back when we used to play Atari Sparked weed, taking shots like the Fratelli's RV Doing donuts in the parking lot at Arby's Car keys, now you can't leave, lock the door Please, Jimmy's on a mission. Time to start the intervention. Let's go. And we're up, my man. All right. Episode 188 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast with my friend over here, Armand from Sick of It All, Straight Ahead, uh, fucking Rest in Pieces, of course. Um, oh, thanks for having me. Dude, thank you for your time, man. Um, how you been? Nice backdrop, by the way. We were just talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing okay. You know, um, the the family's healthy, no, no disease, no uh COVID, <laughs> nothing like that. So uh so, so that's that's uh that that part of it is looking okay. Uh but you know, I miss touring, I miss my life, I miss my regular routine of uh going on tour and just having fun and playing music and all that. Yeah. Uh, playing music at home a little bit but it's just you know it's just me by myself and it's just kind of sad yeah man i mean i mean I, obviously i've had so many musicians on here and that's been like since this whole since the disease hit us um mm -hmm. it's it's been like a common thread of life without touring especially for touring musicians man and it's gotta yeah. be fucking it's gotta fuck with you, you well know? you know I mean, sure, it does with us because we've always looked at playing music as a uh, kind of therapy. You know, it, it is it really is therapeutic, like uh, getting all your aggressions out and, uh, you know, whatever kind of pent up shit that you got inside of you comes out through music and it really helps. But I got to say, like, there are a lot of times where you could see musicians playing and just kind of going through the motions on stage sometimes. But the audience is going crazy, going yeah. ballistic, you know? So, and I really feel for the people that don't have that outlet anymore as well. So it's not just the musicians. Cause you know, a, a lot of the times, like uh, you could find yourself falling into that. If you're just not having a good day, you might be up on stage and just kind of be like, well, I just got to play this part. Right. You know, but, and then, uh, but then there's uh, all those people out in the audience that are literally losing their minds and uh, just having such a great time. Yeah. And they, and they don't have that now. They, they don't have any type of outlet like that. So it's a, it's a big deal that this, that music live music has been taken away from us. It's a really, really bad thing for the psyche of the whole society. Yeah. Without a doubt, man. And it's, it's funny because you said, I mean, well, before I start going all over the place, because there's 94 things going on in my head right now, but <clears throat> I, I feel like every once in a while, it's like, I need a show. Like, as, as an audience member, to blow off that steam, whatever, someone's pissing you off, your boss, everyone knows, you know what I mean? Just yep. to go and just fucking let fucking loose, and then you walk out of that show, and, and like you said before, it's like therapy. You feel so much fucking better. And there was, before we started playing before I press record, 
you were on here during episode 50 with the rest of the guys. I think Pete had to go back down to, to Florida that morning or something like that. Or else I would have well, all it. of you. Yeah, he yeah. missed it. I never had Pete on here. I got to get him on here. But, um, uh-huh. but, um, fuck, I forgot what the fuck I was going to say. But, oh, yeah. That day, during before, before we were recording that episode 50, me and Craig were sitting in the corner and, um, we're eating pizza, of course, and yep. and, and I don't know <laughs> how to surprise. Oh, all the time, yeah. yeah. So we can get into pizza if you want. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, might, so, might as well. <laughs> might, might as well, man. So, uh, so we're sitting there. I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but he asked me. He's like, he's like, who's your favorite band? And I and I felt like an asshole because he's sitting right there, and I'm like, oh my, you guys are, and he goes. Cause you're a loser. <laughs> like, go fuck yourself, Craig. Yeah, but all of it's hysterical. Me and Craig butt heads and, and text and fuck with each other all the time. Cause you're a loser. But um, yeah. but but that one one of the things that I've seen you guys. I don't know how many fucking times I've seen you guys. But you, it, it's like for at least from an audience member. You know, I've never once gone to one of your shows and seen any of you guys like phoning it in it's like if there's 50 people in the room or if there's 3,000 in the room it's fucking sick of it all and that's very rare at least from what we see yeah i mean we always maintain a level of intensity that uh i guess a lot of other bands don't really touch you know what i mean because we just put everything into it mm-hmm. but i mean it it depends night to night especially if you play the same room two times, you can't help but think one show is better than the other. Of course. And, when, and when you're in the middle of that, uh, you know, show that you know isn't as good as the night before or something like that, then you kind of feel like a little bit, you know, I mean, you're still going to play your heart out, but it just like uh, mentally, you're not quite as excited as you were the night before when everything was just a little bit better. Right. Right. But that and, might be in your own head, that, but you like, People don't see that. You know what I mean? And there's also the fact that, um, you know, sometimes you always have to look like you're having a great time. You know, Sure. there there are times when you've got the worst shitty monitor sound or, you know, something really like technically wrong with the show. And you um, what are you going to do? Are you going to let the whole audience know that you're like, suffering back there like uh you know (laughs) having everything sound as weak as possible no punch no attack on anything it sounds like there's a blanket thrown over the speaker you know Uh you can't because those things happen a lot yeah and uh you know because we're we're not a big band we can't afford to bring our own monitor system around with us so we're really you know kind of at the mercy of whatever the clubs have and some of these some of these clubs uh, really have pretty crappy systems. And even sometimes when you play these fancy European clubs that have beautiful PA systems, for some reason, it's just not really good for hardcore. Sometimes it's better to have a little crappy speaker, like, uh, you know, kind of like farting at you <laughs> rather than rather than some big fancy system, which is like could be a PA in its own right. Yeah. But but it just, it, for some reason, it's not capturing what hardcore needs. It'll right. give me like, for me, I always do the high pass because 
a lot of these clubs, they have like boom and low end, and that takes over everything. It, you get no punch out of the kick drum. You get like, you know what I mean? Like you want to have like instant satisfaction with sound and sometimes it's not there. So, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to, you know, uh, expose <laughs> this reality of, of, of musicians, but uh, it is that way where you, you deal with shitty systems a lot and uh, it could bum you out pretty hard on stage, but you can't let the audience see that. Right. But I bet you missed that. I, mi- I bet you at this point you missed that, that, that system with the blanket thrown over it, man. You take that right now over anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Without a doubt. Fuck, man. I mean, I mean, who who knows, man? It's like, you know, I guess that's pretty much a, a, a kind of a good segue into into what I want to talk to you about. Because, like I said once again before we started recording, I did one of these recently with Craig, and Craig was on in a couple of different capacities, but it was mostly we b- before we even recorded, we were like, yeah, we'll touch on the band and stuff, but. I know that Craig thinks a lot like I do and I mm-hmm. believe a lot like you do and a lot like people who are as at a lack of a better word, aren't as gullible as a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and I know that you, you, I mean, you're originally from Iran. Yeah, well, yeah, I was born there. My father's Iranian. My mom was American. So, uh, and she was over there with the foreign service. So they, they met, met each other, fell in love. Uh, had my brother and I, and uh, so you know, I, I w- would always visit America when I was uh, you know little, because uh, my grandparents were living in Queens. Yeah. So uh, uh, I would spend summers in Queens, and then head back to Iran for the for the school year. Come back, you know, like it, Wait, it was what, always what, like a what, back and forth. Time, what time frame? Like what year is this about? Uh, the first time I came to America, I was four years old, so uh, that would be 1971. All right, so this is before Iran Iraq War, correct? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I I grew up in Iran when it was under the Shah, you know. So it was um uh, it was the puppet leader that America had put in place, uh, and the relations between Iran and America were actually really good because mm-hmm. he was their puppet leader. So right. uh, he was their dictator, and uh, so. It, it it was a really Western leaning country as well. It wasn't like you know some like a uh, completely different thing going back to Iran. It was like Western friendly. Always, uh, you know, they, they they looked towards the West. I think a lot more than they do now. Nowadays, they just look at the West with nothing but suspicion. You know, sure. and for good reason. Yeah. But, yeah. But um. But I mean, I you know. I, I really cannot say one kind word about the Islamic Republic because that's, uh, you know, I think it's uh, totally turned the country into, uh, you know, uh, you know, a real problematic part of the world. But uh, uh, as far as my life goes, everything was cool, you know, up until the revolution happened. And then when the revolution happened, you know, we lived through it. And, um, you know, I used to do my homework, uh, with, at, with candlelight because there would be a blackout and anytime there was trouble in the streets the whole city would you know they, they would turn the electricity off without the whole city Brilliant. and uh yeah and uh sometimes uh i would do my homework by candlelight i would uh have to go to sleep listening to 
chants, uh, you know, like rioting and chanting and machine gun fire. So it was like a wild oh, time. Shit. Yeah. How and, old were uh, you at this point? I was, let me see, so, uh, about uh, 9, 10, 11. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you remember this vividly. It's not like you were like three. So yeah. Man. Right, right, right. Yeah. It was a vivid memory. So, and, you know, it was the kind of thing where uh, I would go out in the in our front yard and like pick up the little bullets, uh, you know, like the that have fallen out of the sky. The shell, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, not the shells, the, the projectiles, but they, they would, uh, they would, uh, you know, one of them hit our car and made a little dent in our car and stuff. But um, everybody in my school had like uh, little bullet collections and um, everybody was just kind of excited about what was going on as much as we were kind of fearful of uh, all the, the death uh, surrounding it, you know, because you always heard about the, the martyrs in the streets and all this kind of stuff. People you know, uh, like holding their hands up and their hands are filled with their loved one's blood. And it was just like a really, it was a bloody, bloody thing. Uh, some of those, some of those riots there, uh, reportedly there were like 5,000 people killed when they had like, um, the helicopters, they, they brought in, um, like those, uh, Huey Cobra helicopters and they would just like rain bullets down on, on people indiscriminately. So, yeah, it it was it was a brutal, brutal time. But, uh, you know, uh, so we waited and it was interesting because, you know, not until afterwards did I find out my parents were actually kind of optimistic about how the country would turn out. They thought that this whole revolution was going to be for something good, something better than the Shah. And it turns out, Mm. you know, they weren't on the same wavelength as the rest of the country. The rest of the country wanted an Islamic Republic. So that was voted in. And as soon as that was voted in, we had to, we knew we had to leave and come to America. I mean, I, I, I I was happy about the way things turned out, not for Iran, not for the Iranian people, uh, but for my own selfish reasons. I, I always, I, I always liked America. I was felt more comfortable here. English has always been my first language. I didn't ever really have a great grasp on Farsi. So, um, and I didn't really identify with Iranian culture all that much because my dad um, was a very Western leaning person. And he was also raised by uh, his father, who was a communist. So there was no, there was no religion. There was no Islam in, right. in his family. So if there was Islam, I think there would be, you know, it would be a completely different story because then well, once uh, your culture is shaped by religion, then it's uh, a much more difficult thing to separate, you know, out of your life. So, uh, you know, I, I was brought up with no kind of religion. I was just brought up with ethics and morals, which I, I prefer, you know, yeah, because so this is no, there's no indoctrination there's no you know what i mean it's not like you're some kind of uh you're created to be this like um i don't know like uh, conformist you know what i mean you think for yourself so I, i i preferred the upbringing that i had compared to being a part of an organized religion for sure yeah yeah no i i agree thousand percent like i i grew up my 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 real father, not a religious bone in his body. My mother later on in her life, I think that she didn't, be, didn't become religious. But she believed a little bit, but she would never push it on you or anything. Mm-hmm. She had a little thing. She had a little St. Jude candle for her own little reasons. And but that was like the 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 
the most religious thing that was ever in my upbringing or in my house or anything. I always always thought that it's like, you know what? My whole motto is try not to be a dick. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to be a dick. dick. Sometimes I'm not perfect. Sometimes I'm a dick and I have to apologize. But at the end of the day, I try to be a good person. That's it. Yeah, actually, uh, my motto, too, is like, you know, try not to do anything that you have to apologize for, which is exactly like what you just said. Yeah, it's like sometimes you slip up, you're in a bad mood, shit's going wrong, and you might lash out. See, that's why we need shows, Armand. Yeah, I know. You know know. what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, and and that's uh, that's another aspect of this whole, you know, the the way things were throughout the lockdown and everything, and, and the way people still are today. Uh, it's horrible to hear about all the, you know, domestic problems that have happened. Like, I guess, marriages falling apart, you know, people just being all over each other way too much and not being able to have that like healthy separation that, that keeps a relationship happier. Yeah, it's true. And it's, it's fucked up. And it's like, you know, I mean, now it's so, I mean, I'm in, I'm in the middle of Brooklyn. I work in the city and Things are opening up a little bit here and there, and there's much more people on the train, and there's more people in the city. But mm-hmm. it's like okay, it's like they, like like in my house, like me and my girl, we're okay, we're we're cool. But I think that's also because I haven't stopped working, so I leave every morning and I'm at work all day. You know what I mean? So so there is that separation. If I wasn't working, because she's having a tough time a little bit right now because she's a group exercise trainer. And oh, yeah. exercise. So she works in the gyms. So it's a little rough. She's making do. She's doing what she has to do. But if we were like constantly sitting in the same room for the last fucking seven months, we would fucking mm-hmm. cannibalize each other. You right. know, yeah. you know what exactly. I mean? You know, yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it sucks that kids are also the victims of this as well, you know, because uh, that's you know, who I feel bad for. I have an yeah. 11 year old girl. I have 11 year old little kid, little girl. I feel so bad for, I mean, her school, like she'll go to school like twice a week, but it's not even like real school. And she's in the house, and it's just like I feel bad for her. It's like she's, she, it's like you're a little kid and you're missing out on life, kid, kid <laughs> shit. Yeah, formative exactly. years of things that you re- that you'll remember for the rest of your life. Your formative years literally got yanked away from you. Yep, it's I know. fucked. Yeah, it really is. It's it's a total shame and uh and that's one of the, the things about uh this whole the the whole pandemic the way everything plays out like you said before like uh uh, the, uh a lot of people you know, oh, oh well it might have been before you hit record we we're talking about being gullible right yeah uh, there's, a, there's a select few of us like myself craig you there's a few yeah. of us Je- i just have recently had jeff gunnels the old singer for cold as life on very similar mindset of mine uh you know uh and that's the thing is the fact that ever since i i i think i've I've said it before september 11th was kind of like the the moment in my life which made me realize wow you cannot trust the media one bit thousand percent yeah so so that and you know that was kind of kind of late in my life i i I don't know why i didn't think of it before but september 11th was like you know at after it all sunk in and after like we saw what happened to the world, you know, because of September 11th, that's when I started realizing, wow, this was all, you know, done. It, it was a big plan. Same so, 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, ever since then, anything I hear on the news, uh, you know, like, uh, on the major media sources, yes. any, every little thing is met with pure skepticism by me, A thousand you know? Yeah. And, and, and so like, you know, that, that's how anytime they report anything, that's the immediate thing in my mind is be skeptical of it because there's a reason why they're saying this There's a reason why this is happening. And it's, you know, most likely for certain people to make a shit ton of money and there's some kind of big plan behind it. And, you know, nobody, no, like, you know, talking to people like you and Craig and, uh, you know, Richie from wisdom and chains and stuff like that. We, we talk about this stuff a lot and nobody expected for the, this kind of big, uh, power grab to be because of a virus, you know? But, uh, you know, it happened and it turned out to be well, like probably the most effective version of, you know, of mind control and everything that the state that the state has. Like it, uh, the state control now is really something. It's yeah. re- it's out of hand. It's and, insane. And, and it's gotten to the point where, you know, people are probably, uh, you know, ju- just like in Nazi Germany, where the like, kids were uh encouraged to like turn in their parents if they if they saw their parents doing something wrong i just saw today something about uh camps being built in canada internment camps right where they you could be detained because you have to quarantine right so and a lot of the 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 ideas behind these camps that are being built in canada right now is that if people are not abiding by what the government is saying if they're being disobedient then uh then if you don't wear your mask in public if you don't you know wear your mask at certain times you could you could be taken away from your kids your kids could be taken away from you you know and it's all you know it's this such a huge power grab that's going on right now and it's fucking scary because very scary. i mean I mean, as soon as you hear about like government camps for any kind of reason, you yeah. got to think that, okay, th- there's something really, really crooked going on. Big time. Big fucking time. And yeah. as, soon as, you, as soon as you started saying, like you said, 9-11 was the first thing that made you not trust the media and you're not sure why you didn't before. I, it's like exactly with me. It's like. I just lived my life. I was like, yeah, whatever. You kind of knew that the government's not telling you everything. Cause I, I used to, I grew up watching George Carlin, you know, yeah. and he's just like, you know, oh, yeah. he, he's like, what, you know what, what I, profit, huh? Oh, dude, I have, I have his tattoo right here. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's, that's one dude I always looked up to as a little kid. And he even said, he's like, you know how much I, he's like, I believe nothing the government tells me zero. Yeah. And like, that was from like, there was a special from like 1992, jamming in New York. He said that, and he starts talking about the the first Gulf War and how we we couldn't wait to stop the Cold War so we can all go play with our toys in the sand. You know, we wanted to go play with our toys in the sand, and he and he breaks this all down in such a comedic but a funny but factual way in layman's yep. terms, all about that war and us and them and 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 how 
all the bombs, rockets, and bullets are all shaped like dicks, and it's a way to fuck with people, <laughs> and and all this stuff, and it just it just made sense on, on like a certain level, and you know, I mean, and then nine eleven happened, and I think after about a a week or two after, like the that that was like the last time I was actually shocked. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 9-11. After that, I'm like, yo, that's fucked up. Or holy shit. But shocked was the last time was, was 9-11. And I, I'm going to say about two weeks after, once that shock wore off, then I, certain things started coming out. I'm like, hmm. And then now I st- now my wheels started turning. And then if you just go back in history, which so many people just like to conveniently forget if it's not a part of their personal agenda, is... In history, how many things are just declassified and are complete bullshit and were done by design to get us into certain things, like the Gulf mm-hmm. of Tonkin in Vietnam. Yeah. That yeah. is declassified a fact that yeah. there was a staged fucking shit at the Gulf of Tonkin in order to get us into war with the Vietnamese, which killed 58,000 of my parents' generation. Yeah. Then you have Kennedy. You have the whole. You have the whole um, Operation Northwoods, where we were going to fucking blow a plane up and blame yeah. it on Cuba. Yeah, I mean, basically, that was where they came up with the idea for nine eleven. Sure, you know, it was like Operation Northwoods, like kind of like uh, uh, the government giving itself the the right to do exactly what they did on nine eleven. Right, and people will fight you tooth and nail. No, no, no. But but just rewind and see the other things that like. Yeah. Why are we so special? Because you're the one, because you, you witnessed it and it has a personal effect on you. You can't believe it. But if right. it happened in your parents' generation, oh, that was fucked up. But now, no, that can't happen now. Right, like, right, right. What is that about your ego that, that makes you think that? Yeah, and, and that's uh, something about the pandemic, too, is the fact that uh, I'm really kind of bummed out, you know, because we've been... Uh, really pushing this idea that don't believe the media, don't believe the government, don't don't fall into that trap. You know, ah. we've been and and I think hardcore music, you know, going all the way back to like the Bad Brains and everything, uh, has been pushing that kind of uh, message. And we really the big, the big takeover. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, uh, it's just such a shame to see people so gullible about all this kind of shit and like to see people walking down the streets by themselves wearing a mask. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do? What's the point? What's the point of wearing a mask when you're by yourself, nobody's around you, but, and and then those same people will look at you and give you dirty looks because you're not. Meanwhile, you're, you're across the street from them or something. It's like, there's no way a virus can be spread. Right. From across the street, yeah. You know, the, the, uh, the, me- the media has people actually believing a lot, and I'll say it: a lot of the hardcore scene too, who are railing against yeah. fuck the me- who are like "fuck the media, fuck the government." But then now, all of a sudden, they turn into mask Nazis. You better wear your mask and all the shit. But it's like, I know, dude. The, I know. The, the media has you believing that the air is poison. Yeah, I know. What's going yeah. on? Well, well. Plus, you know. At a certain point with this pandemic, it no longer became about deaths. You know, now it's all just about cases. And it seems like, you know, there were positive cases in this uh, this sports team. And then two weeks later, that guy's out there playing sports and he's he's uh, a professional level athlete. 
working his ass off for his team, you know, and that's like two weeks later. So what kind of really scary virus is this at this point? Like it, I, I know it targets certain individuals in, yeah. in society, like, you know, with all the comorbidities and stuff like that, but, um, and, and certain uh, elderly, you know, of course, yeah. but, but like there are just so many fewer deaths happening now compared to the first few months. Yeah. So um, what are people so afraid of? Are they afraid that they're going to have a positive test? And if you get a positive test and you don't even feel sick, what does that mean about this pandemic? Right. What does that, what does it mean? What, what, what is there to live in fear about? Because, because the TV, because the man or the woman on TV told them so. Yeah, and, and it's a it's shame hear, it's, it's a shame to hear everybody talk about like, well, I trust the scientists. I want the scientists to tell me what to do because the scientists know best. Meanwhile, the scientists are the people that are going to be making the biggest money from oh, this whole thing. You know, yeah. the scientists are the ones selling the masks. They're yeah. they're the ones selling the the uh, the tests. Yeah. They're the ones. You know what I mean? The the amount of money that's pouring into the uh, you know the whole uh, into big pharma at this point is is mind-boggling yeah it's like the thing that they stick up your nose i haven't had it but the thing that they stick up your nose i believe i could be wrong somebody will copy and paste a, a link or something to argue with me but i think fauci owns the patent to that oh yeah i'm not so, surprised no me neither fauci is from he's from like a mile away from me he's from Diker heights brooklyn it's uh, like you know he, he's he's uh, there's so much shit on that guy too it's like John yeah. goes, like John John Bloodclot exposes all that shit on all of his social media. Like everyone should follow fucking John Bloodclot on fucking Instagram and shit because yeah, he does he, a good job. He does a great job, and he pulls out facts. And he's like, "You, Mama Luke's, need to fucking open your eyes." Well, plus he was the one that actually took a little bike ride and visited a whole bunch of those little um, those little camps that they had when when COVID was supposedly such a deadly thing and like yeah. all these people were like uh, you know dying in droves and everything he took a bike ride around Manhattan videoed the whole thing and there's nothing and and there were there were no people right all these big, entire parks were set up to be like these COVID testing and uh you know like I guess quarantine areas and all this kind yeah. of thing and but there was nobody there there, nope. there was like maybe a couple of workers overseeing these like giant empty uh camps that they had set up yeah so so i mean he's he's actually like putting in the work and you know he's like pounding the pavement even exposing a lot of the 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 bullshit that happened once too there was there was um a funeral home that was like several blocks away from me and me and my girl we were driving i don't know what we we were going somewhere and there was like this whole thing that Oh, there's all these trucks right now outside breaking news right outside of so-and-so funeral home and they're storing bodies in there and all this stuff. We were like a block and a half away from there. We were like, hold on, let's fucking go. Right. There was nothing. Right. Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> the streets were fucking empty because everyone was told to stay inside and that's what everyone did. Didn't Cuomo have some kind of boat hospital? Yeah, paid for. He had some kind of thing paid for by you know, by the state, yeah. you know, to, to set up for the city to use, and it was never used. No, it's because they, because all the hospital beds were all taken, and 
it, it came in because that's when there was a whole big thing. All oh, these people are so stupid with their phones out, you know, with no mask, videotaping the boat coming into harbor. But then that was like for like a day. And then next thing you know, no one's talking about it. The boat's gone. I work yeah. in the city. And like I said before, I never stopped working. So for, for a minute there, like right in the beginning, when everything was locked down, you have to be like, hmm, there might be something to this, but I don't know. I never bought all the way in. Right. But I was skeptical. Like now I'm like, well, whatever. I mean, yeah, because, because you know, you think about it, if it's a virus, then it could be something really, uh, you know, like it, you could pick it up from just touching a little surface and next right. thing you know, you're, you can't breathe and uh, right. you might die. And right. so there's, there's like that, you know, the, the, the fact that it's a, a virus is, is what keep, keeps people afraid. Yeah. That word. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know. It's just people have lived with deadly viruses for a really, really long time. I mean, and, and people have died from deadly viruses by the thousands every single year, yep. you know, but the world didn't need to change. No, you it know why, Armand? Because this is a new one and no one knows about it. Well, and, and <laughs> you know, and, and the fact that, yeah, the novel coronavirus, I get it. But, yep. you know, the, the fact that there's even talk about a, a vaccine is uh, pretty silly to me because yeah. we've known about coronaviruses for, uh, you know, as long as modern medicine has been around, as long as modern medicine has been studying uh, viruses, they've known about coronaviruses. They've never been able to develop a vaccine against one, you know, not any type. So why people think that a vaccine is going to be somehow available for this one is really odd. And the fact that it's also been politicized so much, you know, ah. so, it, you know, it's such a tool of the Democrats to use against Trump right now yeah. makes me think that, oh, shit, this is like it, it's it's even it's even worse because now politics is entering into it. Ah. And, you know, it, um, yeah, I, I, I saw an interview with Fauci recently that was done in January where he uh, was saying how Americans shouldn't wear masks. Yeah. And right. So. And, and, you know, and now you have uh, the Democrats on uh, these debates saying that this is like the single worst disaster uh, by any administration in in uh, the history of the country. Meanwhile, it's like, OK, well, if the Democrats were in office, what would they have done if you right. got somebody like Fauci telling you Americans don't need to wear masks? And right. that was like right before shit got serious here yeah and it's you know? all to your local government too it's like here in new york it's like de blasio and fucking cuomo are like running shit everyone has their own local governments so but yeah. if but if but if if trump winds up making an executive order oh that's an abuse of power like it's like you can't win it's like you can't win it's like yep. this this came it's never been dealt with before what the fuck are you supposed to do well and you know, plus, I mean, okay, Trump is like a very hateable guy. He's like, he's not uh, a, a, a real politician. Like, he doesn't act like one. I don't think he, I, I think he's actually just playing a role. He's playing like this buffoon kind of role right now just to create this like division in the country. And it's been very successful, you know, like oh, the country's beyond divided right now. Everybody hates each other. Everybody's like, uh, unfriending each other on oh, social it's media so lame, man. yeah so 
so I mean, it, you know, it's it's been a very effective as far as divide and conquer goes. Hit you know the whole Trump plan. Sure, but but to see the media have such a hard on for him the entire time he's been in the White House, dude, is is kind of funny because you know the, the whole like. Uh, I laugh all the time. It's like this is it's almost like comedy. At this point, I I listen to him and I watch him and he talks with his hands. And I say I I laugh. I'm like, you can't take nobody seriously at this point. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm and, over being mad over shit. Yeah. I'm just yeah. I just laugh. It's like, <laughs> what are you gonna do? It's like Well, yeah, I mean, and that's another reason why he was brought in too, because he's he's a reality TV star. So he's they've created reality TV, but in the White House. He's also in the WWE Hall of Fame. That's a <laughs> fact. Dude, there's wow. a video. He clotheslines <laughs> Vince McMahon. He's friends with Vince with wow. personally. And Vince's wife is a Republican congresswoman. I swear wow. to God, I, I would... If I if I was a gambling person, I would I would bet everything that somewhere along the line in Vince McMahon's WWE team, they're writing shit for fucking Trump. Right, they're all yeah. friends. Well, and and it's you know, pro it's, wrestling. Yeah, and there's no there's no coincidence that like a lot of politicians actually were actors first. You know, mm-hmm. like Ronald Reagan, and uh, you know you have like Donald Trump in the entertainment business, like you just said. Even yeah. even Fidel Castro was an actor. That's you know, crazy. And, yeah, and and if if anybody's really interested in looking into some pretty wild suggestions. You should check out milesmathis.com because okay. Miles Mathis is like, the, it, they, they come up with things constantly to try to make you look at things differently, think differently about historical events. And they break down some really, really interesting facts that nobody's ever looked into before because everybody always just believed the history books. Right. But, but these guys, go, they'll, they're, they're piece on lincoln's assassination is really really thought-provoking mm-hmm. you know they, they they touch on everything and miles uh, I mathis I, I gotta write this down mile yeah miles mathis awesome yeah i'll yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll dive right into that shit man yeah they, they even did a thing about how john lennon isn't dead and that and that he took a part he took part in a, a john lennon's like uh sound like uh kind of contest and he didn't win <laughs> Oh my God! Really? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, and and they they have stuff about Elvis being like a I don't know some kind of like government uh, operative, you know? That's heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but you know, they go into his childhood and they go into all this stuff in in such detail that obviously they they did a lot of research. So, uh, and, and anybody that go, like really delves into these conspiracy uh, conspiracy theories. Um, you can't deny that they put in the work. Right. So, yeah, they they do a lot of research, and when they come up with stuff that really goes against the official narrative of the, of uh, you know what we've been told, uh, a lot of people want to be able to just just shoot it down because it you know it shocks them too much to hear that what they've been told is a lie. Of course. But, but meanwhile, well, you know, then then take some time and do your own research and look into it because I guarantee you'll find, you'll you'll go down the same road, you'll come to the same conclusions as these people that actually do the work. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's like oh, and like these people they they just they just go to like 
their own specific left or right leaning areas. And then that's, that's it. Like they won't take the time because it's instant gratification and ADD and all that with so much information that they won't take the time to actually one topic research several different perspectives and look yeah. at, you know, so like things like nine 11, dude, for, for, for almost 20 years now, I'm still looking at, and I still come up with the same conclusions. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, that, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. Yeah. Like, totally. you know, just, just <laughs> everything that goes into that and the Saudis and this, and I mean, it's way back, you know, that shit goes way back, but, um, yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's like, I was going to ask you, like, where do you see this all going right now? Like, what the fuck is going to happen with, with, with this election and shit? But, like, do we actually even know? I mean, we could... we could. Well, I, I think the election is going to be a really interesting part of it, you know, because obviously everything is going to come to a head with this election. And whatever happens um, going forward, it's going to be uh, because of the result of the election. Sure. And... You know what I mean? And because even the, the pandemic has become so politicized, then, uh, you know, everything uh, everything involved with the pandemic is also going to be politicized. And we're just I, I'm, I'm excited for the election to be over for sure. Yeah, because because then, you know, at least we'll put this whole shit to bed, at least for another four years. I don't give a fuck if it's one or the other. You know, right. I just want this this division in the country to kind of calm down a little bit, you know, right. um, because everybody's too fucking wound up about it. And yeah. and meanwhile, doesn't everybody know that their vote doesn't count anyway? Right. right. It's, it, like, it's like it, is, it, is America right. not aware of that fact? Because, you know, it's it's like something that makes you feel good about yourself that you shows one person over another but it doesn't it's have like any rooting, effect it's, it's, on like, it's like it's like you're rooting for your favorite sports team yeah i mean it's like I, what do you really yeah. have to do with it you have no, yeah. no no say or nothing that you do is gonna make the outcome Affect the outcome yeah right. yeah i mean that's america's not set up to have the public vote really count all that much mm-hmm. you know it's it's disgust but does it really make a difference i don't think so no you like you know, and, college and all that shit. It's like you're, the popular vote means really means dick. That's why you have these super delegates and this and that. It's just, it's like yeah, so, I mean, yeah, and, and and they're hounding you on social media yeah. to to you know make you know go out there and vote like you know cast your ballot. You know, yeah. like it's been going on and on and on. I just can't wait till it's over. Right, and if you don't vote, you're part of the problem, Armand. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know that whole line. Listen, I yeah. say, I say, oh, you, you, you got your little sticker that says you voted. All right, well, I look at it like a banana has a sticker on it for being a banana. You know? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know? <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll just wear a banana sticker that day. You should. That would be awesome. It's not a whole new trend. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, sick little shirt, but uh, there's something on the back with just like a little banana. <laughs> be cute for the kids. Yeah. 
But let me just, let me just shout out my sponsors real quick, and then we'll go on to a, a little bit of a lighter subject. And I won't keep you. I won't hold you. You probably have some like nice beer t- tasting to go to today, right? Uh, I was thinking about taking a trip up to maybe like uh, the Chester area of New York. There's like okay. a few breweries up there that that I haven't tried yet. All right. So you, and, when, when you go there later, you have. A, I don't drink anymore, but have a few for me. Okay. Thank you. Um. All right. Are you a coffee person? You know, I, I, I love coffee, uh, but uh, after I uh, uh, stopped drinking it last year and, and uh, realized what kind of a grip it had on me physically yeah. and how awful I felt going through the withdrawals, Caffeine I realized that, withdrawal is brutal. Yeah. And so I, I realized that I shouldn't really fuck with it that much. Every once in a while, I'll have a coffee beer, you know. Okay. Uh, but, but I'll have to have it like kind of, you know, afternoon time or, or like, you know, maybe midday. So it doesn't fuck with my sleep too much. But, okay. um, I, I used to love coffee. Coffee was like, you know, just such a big part of my life, but now I've kind of given it up. Well, since I don't drink alcohol anymore, I am still a big coffee person, but yep. dead sled coffee is a sponsor of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace Armand. Oh, nice. They, they, yeah. They did, um, it was them in chains brew. Oh, okay. That was those guys. Yeah, that's like yeah. They just they just also signed the whole contract. They're coming out. It's called the Nightmare Blend. They um they did a, a deal with Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger. Uh-huh. They, they're coming out with a call from them. They just they just put out um a, a special brew that they they collaborated with the Toasters, the the ska band. Oh, cool. Yeah. Where where are they from? They're from Philly and Jer- They're from Pennsylvania and Jersey. Oh, okay. It's only a couple of people, but um. Dead Sled, if you go to Dead Sled, they also have tea also, Amon. So I don't know if you're a tea guy. I'm not. I can't, I, I can't <laughs> picture you drinking like tea with like your pinky out. I can't picture yeah. <laughs> It was never my thing. I, yeah. I, I grew up, you know, growing up in Iran, everybody drank tea and like I just never had the taste for it. Gotcha. All right. Well, if you go to deadsledcoffee.com and you type in the promo code Brooklyn Blast, you'll get 15% off your order. And any order over $40 is free shipping. And follow them on Instagram at Dead Sled Coffee. Shout out to Mike for helping me out. Also, Generation Records, which I'm glad that Generation Records has survived this whole pandemic thing and they're back open, located at 210 Thompson Street in the West Village of New York City. Follow them at Generation Records on Instagram and go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com if you can't make it to the brick and mortar spot. They have an online store there that you can buy vinyl shirts books, everything. The Cola Brothers book, they have it there as well. Um, also, New Republic Printing, if you want to get sick of it all shirts with the banana on it, New Republic Printing, go to newrepublicprinting.net. Um, they do screen printing, embroidery, vinyl stickers, and buttons. No screen fees, no setup fees. And if you get your order delivered to a commercial address like your job, it's free UPS ground shipping. No one does that shit, Armand. Nobody. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good and la- yeah, man. And last but not least, um, uh, Billy from Bio hasn't actually turned me on to this, and he asked if I could just shout it out, and why wouldn't I? Um, it's called Crew Socks, C-R-U-S-O-X. Um, I don't know about you, Armand, but I'm a big fan of putting on a brand new pair of nice, clean socks, you know? <laughs> What they, what they do? Hey, who isn't? Come on, man. These are, these are things we take for granted, man. You I take- know. It's a lot, a lot of pleasure, you know, that you could take from putting on a 
nice, clean pair of socks. A nice brand new pair of clean socks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if, you, if you go to crewsocks.com and, and you follow them on Instagram at crewsocks, but what they do is they, they, it's, it's founded by a, 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 a husband and wife and I believe they're teachers, but I don't know why they got into socks, but maybe they enjoy a nice clean sock more than the average person. Right. Um, like like they, you. Like, I'm a big fan of a pair of socks, man. <laughs> so what they do, if you buy one pair of socks, they'll donate one pair to people in need. And then if you buy two pairs, they donate three pairs. You buy three pairs, they donate five pairs to people in need. So oh, very nice. So everyone wins. You get your nice new socks on your on your foots. Mm-hmm. And then you help out someone else who maybe can't afford socks so they can have pleasure on their feet as well. Yeah. Crewsocks.com, yeah. Armand. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's a good charity. Yeah, man. Everyone wins. <laughs> Those are my sponsors. Thank you, all my sponsors. <laughs> you know, uh, you, uh, two of your great passions, you know, the, the, the socks and coffee. Yeah. Uh, you should take a trip to, um, to Singapore. That's where they make the, the coffee in the sock. And they, 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 what? It, it, yeah, they, they do it like a sock coffee. It's like a, this big sock that's like filled with coffee and they pour the water through it and everything. And it's probably some of the best coffee I've had in my life. But it's through a sock. It's, it's, well, it's not through like what you would put on your foot, but it's like this big fabric thing that's kind of shaped like a sock. Oh, yeah. Like so, candy and, yeah, so, coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> And, and it's really interesting to watch them actually do it. And then the way they pour it is crazy because they, they lift their hand up like really high and put it back down. And then somehow the coffee doesn't go everywhere. It's like it stays in this little cup. It's crazy, but it's awesome and so delicious. Singapore, huh? Yeah, Singapore. And they, they, they have those locations all over. You guys uh, yeah, we, Singapore. Yeah, we played there a couple of times. But I, I don't think I had it there first i think i had it in hong kong first or something because they have uh it's like a chain that uh they hope they have them all over southeast asia really yeah they're like a, like a southeast asian starbucks but they do it up like in the sock and everything it's in the awesome. sock yeah <laughs> i'm intrigued yeah so hopefully one day if we ever get live music back jesus fucking christ and if they're sick of it all decides to go to southeast asia again Maybe I'll take a flight. I'll go see you guys in a foreign country and I'll drink coffee out of a dirty sock. Yeah, exactly. Why, Why not? not? It's a yeah. good story to tell. <laughs> I'm doing this for the story for later on in life. Yeah. I mean, you have to experience it. If you're a coffee lover, you have to experience the sock. You heard it here first, kids. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ah, uh, shit. So now, well, I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, what's coming up, but you guys have been doing, which... And I love the, there's two out so far and I love the choices of you guys quarantine jams. Okay. Thank you. Ah, it's great. Alone. It's, it's one of my favorite songs. Um, you think you guys don't do it very often, which makes me mad. Um, (laughs) I think you you did it during the, the, the Triborough tour. I think you did it one of the nights. Yeah, we definitely did. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think it was like not enough. Huh? Queens, not <laughs> it's all right. I, well, can't, I can't complain. Well, I mean, it's it's one of those songs that uh, 
you know, we, it just kind of ended up, I, I think I might have had something to do with not uh, including that song very, off, uh, very often because once I got rid of my, my double toms, my double rack toms, the, all the fills that happened in that song became more difficult. Uh, and yeah, it's yeah. really, really intense, like, brr, 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 you yeah. know, all single stroke with uh, sure. hitting off the cymbal and everything. So now I do it off the floor tom, but it was something that I had to adapt to my uh, four-piece setup, which, uh, yeah, as opposed to a five-piece. Right. And uh, so that now that I know what to do, I'd be way more comfortable bringing it, bringing it back and having it be a part of the set. Right. Um, I just had to reacquaint myself with the song and reacquaint myself with playing it on a four-piece kit instead of a five-piece. Yeah, and it's kind of. I mean, I, I mean, d- during episode fifty, I I had like this whole list of like if I was to pick the set list. You know, mm-hmm. but it's 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 got to be really difficult. I mean, there's certain staples that have to be in the set list, and you guys have so many records and so much stuff that. Yeah, uh, we kind of we kind of run out of space for. for yeah, the, of course, for, of for, course. For, for, for the songs that aren't like uh, what people expect you to play. Right. Um, uh, Craig, this drives Craig crazy because Craig wants to. Craig would want to like go out and play. Completely different set lists constantly. Yeah. Like he, yeah. But but then the problem is, then you put yourself in. You're you're never in like a a, a comfort zone as far as uh, you know being able to put songs together that actually make sense together, yeah. or the the way one song ends versus the way another one begins. Does it work? Does the is the energy right? Do you go into it at the right tempo? Because that's one of the things I notice sometimes. Like you mess around with the set list too much. And next thing you know, you're like going into this song and it, it's just like lumbering along instead of like, like, uh, you know, with like the energy that it needs. And it's because of the tempo of the song before it that affected how I play the next one. You know what I, I mean? Sure. So th- those, and, and just constantly trying to do that kind of shit, like, uh, off the hip, you know, the like kind of it's, it's, uh, too risky you could like really ruin certain parts of the show by like putting songs together that don't work right yeah i i i you're exposed you're exposing it all again but i get it it, 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 <laughs> yeah. makes, it makes complete sense man so yeah. you, guys, you guys put out alone and then which i was shocked and i love it that you guys put out the bland within mm-hmm. I'm like well that's a fucking deep cut for a yeah. lot of people <laughs> and how fucking cool is that off the yours truly record it's like it's you guys don't play anything from the yours truly. very rarely do you play anything from the yours truly record that's true like usually the one song that makes Blown it away. back in like uh no actually it's usually america america is the song that like makes its appearance here and there but like uh that's our usual go-to from that record right. i'm not sure exactly why you know but uh but that record um it, it wasn't received well when it first came out, but then as years went by and people like lived with it and like kind of, it, it really grew on people right. because it was, it was like one of our most, it was our most experimental record. Like we never, oh, yeah. we, we never like really went back to being that experimental because it was received so badly initially, you know, uh-huh. and who, who has the patience for, you know, an album to take years uh, to grow on people. It's so true. You know, and, and it, 
it's interesting too because a lot of people that you wouldn't expect like uh jamie uh from hatebreed he came up to us uh, uh, like years and years later like when we were when we were touring with them and told us that his favorite sick of it all album is yours truly really and and you know you would think that jamie being like in that type of heavy band he would want maybe the heavier style of sick of it all yeah, like, like and yours truly is not that something right yeah and yours truly doesn't really have that so it uh, doesn't but it's fucking yeah. unique and, and that's that's another thing that i like about you guys is that not every every record sounds different like if when you go from blood sweat no tears to just look around mm -hmm. it's completely fucking different well yeah i mean that's i, I think a, a lot of that has to do with the fact that like when blood sweat no tears was recorded we had just all, all of us we just started learning how to play yeah you yeah. know so it was really raw in in performance and uh execution you name it and yeah. and it was pl plus it was also completely like thrown together the whole thing 19 songs i think yeah. recorded recorded and mixed in 3 days that's awesome though it's, it's yeah, I mean, you know, and, that, I'll say, and I'll say that, it, and, and every everyone who knows me, and everyone who's constantly listening to this podcast, I've said it, you know, without having one of you guys on it. It's my favorite hardcore record ever. Oh, cool! Thank you. And and, and but Lou kind of goes, really? He's like, I hate well, my voice in it. It's yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting too because Lou was he didn't even scream back then. He kind of like just talked talk the lyrics. Right. It, it was completely different style than than he has now. So yeah. it's uh you know the band's evolution was evident with you know from album to album to album. Without a doubt, and it's like back to like yours truly. It's like you some great songs. Like the last time I think I actually heard you guys play several songs off of that record was. You guys played this is a while back now. Jesus, this must be, Jesus, it's 2020 now. So we're talking like 13, 14 years ago. And you guys, mm -hmm. you were direct support for Dropkick Murphys at the Nokia Theater in Manhattan. Oh, yeah, I remember that show. We flew in from Europe that morning. Really? Yeah, that was a brutal uh, show to play because we were all like, you know, kind of yeah. You guys fucking ruled, though. If, that oh, fucking, thank you. It was great. <laughs> but you guys played America. You guys played uh, "Disco Sucks." Fuck everything. Yeah, there was a, there was a few songs off of that record that you guys played. I was like, wow. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, back you know back then uh, we did kind of touch on that record a lot more than yeah. uh, we have. Like you know, once we once we did uh, what do you call it, "Death to Tyrants," and we got uh, the the albums to really sound the way we wanted them to sound. Yeah. Then we tended to play a lot more from from those records. Like once Tua Madsen was producing us and mixing us, and you know, like we just kind of preferred playing those songs as opposed to the the stuff that came before it, which we weren't as happy with, right. uh, which we didn't feel captured the the live energy of Sick of It All. But then at a certain point, Tua Madsen was able to make that happen. Nice. Now, this, this isn't going to come out for a couple of weeks because I do have a couple that are, that are ahead of it. But mm -hmm. do, you, do you know when the next... How many... What did you do? You guys did, what, like six of them, no? Um, yeah, I think so. I think six. Do yeah. you know when the third one is going to come out? I think it's next week. Oh, so you could... So this won't be out then. So what's the, what's the next song? Oh, okay. Uh, it's going to be Paper Tiger. 
Oh, that's right. You know what? Yeah. And Craig spoiled it because the last time I had Craig on, he said that. But oh, okay. um, yeah, but there was no no, no John Bloodclot on there. But no, that's, that's another low. fucking song. <laughs> but that's another well, fucking great song. Life on the ro- yeah, Life on the Ropes. Yeah, fucking incredible song. And I, I just I think did, I've like, seen you guys play it once or twice. Paper Tiger. We played it probably for a couple of years. Yeah, and, yeah. I think it was like a, it was a standard in, in our set for a few years and you know there are people that quite quite a number of people that ask for it and we're just kind of like uh, i don't know <laughs> oh why not it's so good you- well i mean there, there are a lot of people really like certain songs but like does the does it really work with the entire audience maybe 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 not you never know it could change night by night on tour right. and even some songs that are like you think are uh, standards uh, sometimes get a half shitty reaction. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like what's <laughs> happening here? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it also has to do with the fact that we're, um, you know, we're an older band now and our audience reflects that. And right. uh, it's kind of, kind of hard to get people whipped up into a frenzy when they're, then they haven't done it in 20, 30 years. Oh, there's going to be a lot of sprained ankles and winded people if, if oh, yeah. once this happens yeah. again. <laughs> but, but I mean, that said, there also are a lot of people that actually go completely apeshit. So, oh, like, yeah, you know, crazy. can't take it away from them. Yeah. I, I have to ask you, because obviously you know what the song, what all six quarantine jams are. Now, I usually bring it up, and Lou is probably sick and tired of me saying this, but I break his chops on purpose about it. But one of my favorite songs off of Scratch the Surface is Return to Reality. Oh, no. (laughs) He hates it. I fucking love it. He's like, yeah, we tried to be like quicksand, but it just didn't work out well. I fucking love that song. I think that was a failed experiment. God, you guys stink. (laughs) I love that fucking song. That was like one of those songs that like, uh, you know, like, I wrote I wrote the music and lyrics to it, and Love it. Uh, and it was just like it, it was way too kind of strange for Sick of It All to, to attempt. It didn't work with Sick of It All's chemistry, you know. And so I'm, gl- I'm glad I'm glad you like it. I uh, love that song. That song but, makes me want to kill people. It's fucking really great. It's so weird. It's, it's such like a low. key kind of low energy it's song like Pete but... fucking riffs it's just, it's just so good fucking Lou sounds like he's half possessed I love it. It, it it's it's weird too because that was one of those songs that like we really had a hard time figuring out how the vocals would go they were like written and rewritten and like completely phrased differently by the end yeah so and, and you know and it's because it was such a strange thing for us to touch on and we didn't really know uh, where it was going or how it would end up. Ended up in a way that you like, but I don't think too many Sick of It All fans are big fans of that song. Ah, <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about, those people. <laughs> All right, so it's safe to say that Return to Reality isn't a quarantine jam. <laughs> no, it's not. God. <laughs> Actually, nothing from Scratch the Surfaces. All right. Well, it's kind of cool that, that, I mean, so far the three that I know of, they're... Uh, you know, it's not, they're not staples in the set list. They're a little right. bit, a little bit under the radar. Well, plus we're, we're we also kind of want to push the, the latest stuff a little bit as well. So we touch on those. There you go. Yeah. Cause uh, 
yeah, we we were really pleased with the way the last record came out. Like we, oh, it, it, it was like um, the the fact that it was written and recorded the way it was, and the fact that it ended up being like coming together so with such cohesion. You know, it was like was like I couldn't believe it. It was just okay. like uh, like that's not normal. Sick of it all uh luck right. <laughs> you know like we usually have much worse luck than that well, but shout uh, out to jerry Foley. yeah no kidding jerry jerry did a great job uh ernie did a great job with the cover like everything came together so well yeah man there was one song because i did i was part of doing back vo- background vocals mm-hmm. and i think jerry kicked me out of a song oh really yeah, he yeah. Kicked me out because i because I don't remember what song it was, but there was where I had to go, oh, 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 and I just couldn't fucking get it. He was like, you, you're the problem. You're out. It happens, especially once you got melody going on. And, you know, some people have horrible timing, too. It's like, uh, yeah, my timing was way off of that song. Even even barked out uh, backups. Sometimes like you'll have one guy always rushing it or just like doing it like out of sync with everybody else because he. He doesn't really have like a musical bone in his body. He just wants to be a part of it. Right. And th- those, um, unfortunately, they can't make the record. You yeah. know, like the people I mean, don't want to hear that. Song, every song that I did, <laughs> I think there was like five songs where I had background vocals on, except for that one. He he fucking gave me the axe. My like, right, yeah. guy, I'm not yeah. going to be the guy to fuck this up and take up your time. So right, I'll step right. out. <laughs> well, and and you wouldn't want to be the guy on the record where everybody's like, "Oh God, you hear that shit?" <laughs> yeah, well, that's that fucking Jimmy guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Awesome, dude. Well, I'm not gonna hold you hostage any much longer. But what I will do, I have to say, thank you so much for your time, dude. Um, cool, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Any fucking time. Um, and. This this will go up on, on YouTube, Raw, just how it is. And I usually run it on the Facebook group page, Raw, just how it is. But when when, when the audio will be everywhere, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. Um, so on the audio version, I put my intro. And I have to ask you, I know it's hard to choose, but the end of the episode, I'm going to tack on a song. So okay. it's obviously... You know, you're you. You have to pick a sick of it all song of your choice to end this podcast with. Oh, anyone, no matter. <laughs> um, let's do. Uh, uh, shit, I don't know. You're on the spot. I'm really on the spot right now. I'm thinking like, what? What? How about the new slavery? Let it be one that I sing. There and you and go. it's. And you know what? It totally ties in with what we talked about, how, you know, you can't trust the government. You can't trust the media. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's do that one. Let's do it. Dude, Armand, thank you. All right, man. Thank you. You you can go back. I'm I'm glad that you wanted to do this earlier because we both have the rest of the day to do whatever we want to do. Like I said, I just ask you one thing. Just go have a few for me. Okay. We'll do it. My man, be safe and we'll talk soon. All right. Cheers, Jimmy. Thanks a lot, buddy. Take care, bud. You too, man.